0: Today's Hail to the District podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, which is Wildberries Bakery and Cafe, located just north of the district in beautiful Frederick, Maryland. Now guys, in case you forgot, Valentine's Day is next week, which means two things. Number one, it's still a totally fictional and bullshit holiday. And number two, you gotta get your significant other something. Now as an aside, if you're a guy without a significant other, enjoy being single. But if you do have that special someone you have to do something nice for, Wildberries has the solution for you. They have an incredible variety of gourmet desserts made in-house by the professional pastry chef who owns the bakery. You can choose from French pastries, handmade chocolate truffles, fresh homestyle cookies, a whole mess of cheesecakes and pies, and the thing that they're known best for, which is some of the very best cakes in the greater Washington, D.C. area. So make a quick run up to the Frederick, Maryland area, it's so worth it, I promise you, and tell the chef that you heard about them from the Hail to the District podcast, and you'll receive 10% off your order of $10 or more. Visit www.wildberriesbakery.com, or even give them a call at 301-620-7695 for more information. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and I'm excited to be joined today by fellow Hail to the District writer and fellow long-suffering DC sports fan in my buddy, Dash. Dash, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Would have been a lot better off if Monday night the outcome was a little different, but we're going to get to that in a second. So... After a few false starts of getting this podcast going, I'm glad we're actually able to sit down and record this, especially coming off said Monday night instant classic between the Wizards and Cavaliers, even though the result wasn't exactly what we hoped it would have been. But still, that had to be the best game of the entire NBA season, culminating in this incredible streak that the Wizards were on through January and February. But if you're a Wizards fan, and if you needed a reason to hate LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers again, we now have it.
1: Yeah, no, it's fun to hate LeBron again. It's been, what, 10 years since he broke our hearts with, uh, you know, against the Gilbert Arenas team, whispering in his ear. You're going to choke. Miss, missing those free throws, the Damon Jones three. Uh, I mean, that three-pointer... On Monday, by LeBron, was absolutely ridiculous.
0: so. Can we break that down first from the miss layup, which was just insane? Like that was the easiest bunny you've ever seen in your entire life, and he misses it. I, I lost my damn mind when he lost it. Do you think we missed on purpose, it? Just no. To break our no, no. That's just that's the gods torturing us because that's what the gods do with DC sports fans. They put it's like it's like Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football. It's there, it's there, it's there. Nope, it's gone. It's You're gone. Right? right? You had it. It seemed all locked up, and then. First, the I mean you know basketball Twitter made good references to it, but first the pass that Kevin Love threw all the way across the yeah, court. I mean amazing that was passer, That was a quarterback esque throw. First of all, he is West Unsoldish. He really Dallas. is. That was one of my favorite things about Love coming out was that his ability to pass the ball, and he, right. he was such he was so good at it. Then LeBron catching it, Beal is all over him. This is zero percent knock on Beal for the play, and then LeBron just. One of the most ridiculous shots you'll ever see. Would you have doubled LeBron? No, because if you doubled it, really wouldn't have made a difference. That
1: was an impossible shot. It was an yeah, impossible shot. Would you have doubled him out, out like out of, from the out of bounds? <sighs> I would have. I, make somebody else beat you. I hate when LeBron beats us. I know they still had Kyrie. They probably had Korver on the court. But I mean. Then again, if you leave Kyle Corver open,
0: exactly. So if nine you nine think eight eight about times. it, there, I don't know exactly who was on the court, but you have to speculate: was LeBron, Love, Kyrie, Corver, and probably Channing and Fry, Fry, right? right. So who, who, you can't double everyone, otherwise you're going you're to have your caught with your pants down. Theoretically right. speaking, with somebody being wide open, and again, you can't blame Beal; like he was draped all over him. That's true. The guy ba- basically hit the three point shot falling into a folding
1: chair. Yeah, like he, hey, he is the greatest player on the York. And that's why he's the greatest player on the earth, because he does stuff like that. So he has five fouls going into overtime,
0: and we were talking about this, and uh, we were trading texts on our group me. and we were like, just go at him. Just go at LeBron, just drive right at him, pick up the early foul, like the refs are calling it a little tight, go right at him. And what did they do? I think it was in the first 40 seconds of overtime, LeBron fouls out. And we're like, all right, we got this. And then, of course, because the gods hate us, Kyrie Irving loses his damn mind. And I loved it from the—I think it was most of the fourth quarter. Kyrie was just—he was throwing up bricks like he was building houses for a living, right? Like he was just throwing He's up missing easy shots. He, he was well. It was because it would be Love would hit a big three, Fry would hit a big three, LeBron would hit a three after three after three, and then Kyrie would put up a three, it was dunk, and he would just right. miss it, right? And it, at least that gave me some satisfaction. And of course, the minute LeBron goes out. That shit starts going
1: in. No, but he Kyrie Irving's that player. He is a really clutch player, and I, you know that that should have been the Wizards again. But I think what really hurt them was Ubre and Morris fouling out. Where you didn't have you had to put in either Satoransky or Jason Smith. I still think that was a bad decision. I would have gone with Jason Smith there. Yeah, when Sato came in, I'm like,
0: "Uh, this is not the guy I want coming in at this time. I mean, it's not like the the bench is so deep where you want. You know, it's not like I want.
1: Daniel Ochefu coming in instead, so yeah, I would have like I would have liked Jason Smith in there at least he get a rebounder and he can knock open like you know a twenty foot shot, which with Wall, the way Wall was playing and finding guys, you know, and with the way Beal, let's talk about Bradley Beal for a second.
0: Bradley Beal. So I tweeted out after this and I got so much crap from fucking poser Cavalier fans afterwards, and I was trying to make the point that Kyrie went eight of twenty four in that game. But everyone's going to remember Kyrie's 8 of 24... Because of the he went apeshit in overtime, right. but like no one's gonna look at the fact that Beal was sixteen of twenty eight, six of fourteen from three, and had forty one points. No right. one's gonna look at that. No one's gonna see the fact that Wall had twenty two and twelve in that game. Everyone's gonna talk about well, Kyrie Irving had, you know, he had whatever he had. Yeah. And he but was,
1: that's just,
0: just because so of the because you know? of the clutch shots, yeah. and I get it. I wasn't even. Try- I'm not necessarily trying to take away from him, but it's just at the end of the day, he was eight of twenty four. Right. It's like Kobe in Game Seven of the the finals the, the couple several years ago, right? Like everyone remembers that. Everyone kind of glosses over the fact that well, he was eight to twenty-four. Uh, yeah. He just did it when it counted. You can't take that away from him. Kind of like what, it was. It was the same shot that he hit over Steph in Game Seven as well of the of the two thousand sixteen Finals. No, he's
1: he's he's a really clutch player. That guy can score when he wants. And let's talk about let's talk about Kevin Love. How good was he on Monday night?
0: Kevin Love was fantastic. But we'll get to this in a second. But it's a little bit of a. You can't allow Love and Kyrie and these guys to basically score 95 points on right. their own and Truth. expect to win, right? We're not even talking about – if you look at – Tristan Thompson had 22 points. The Cavs' four other five starters had third 22 or more points. Right. Like you, that, can't ex- you
1: can't expect to win.
0: And I know that the game was 140 to 135 and I know into overtime and stuff like that, but you can't
1: ex- – You can't expect to win with those numbers. With
0: instead. those, the big three getting 95 points, essentially, right. whatever it ended up being. Like you just can't. I mean, Beal had forty-one. It was incredible. Beal finished with forty-one, eight and five. It, that's that's the best game of his career, right? It is, and he was just in big shot after big shot. I mean, this was just LeBron. It's I a mean, big at shot. the
1: other end, you got what? You got Wall, Porter, and Beal combining for eighty-eight points. It was eighty-seven,
0: yeah, eighty-eight points actually. Yes, it's eighty-eight points. Porter had twenty-five, Wall had twenty-two, and Beale had forty-one. So they had eighty-eight points, and then Gortat and Morris themselves put in another thirty, right? Yeah, like- I
1: mean, it is what it is. Like Cavaliers are still a better team. Uh, like I, I don't think anybody is really doubting whether you know whether the Wizards put in their full effort. But I, I think it shows you. I think more than what people are saying about how the Wizards had to play a near perfect game to beat Cleveland let's look at what Cleveland had to do to Cleveland beat Cleveland had
0: to pull out maybe their best game of the season yeah. this in this game of their christmas day game have to be their two best games of the season right? Absolutely. like, like this, this has to be their two best performances this Wizards this year.
1: team may be a lot better than we think it is i
0: i'll, I'll get there to that in a second but Cleveland had to like this was they had to ratchet up the intensity for this game. This was like and this wasn't one of their the typical dog days of, of January and February type of game. They're that was like, like no. a game seven Eastern Conference Finals. This was a playoff game. Yeah. I mean this was you know, everyone overused the cliche that oh this is a playoff game, like you know, it felt like a playoff game and this is a game that we're gonna see again in the finals or Eastern Conference Finals or what have you. But both teams ratcheted up to that intensity. I think that was was, was so beautiful. Number one, they ratcheted up to that intensity. Number two, it lived up to it from
1: the, all the performances. Oh, yeah, it. absolutely. No, that was the best game. I think Kevin Harlan, after the game, said this may have been the best regular season game he's ever seen.
0: Uh, was it Harlan or was it – who was the, the analyst?
1: It was Kevin Harlan and Grant Hill.
0: Right. I think it was Grant Hill. One of the two, anyway. Yeah. Right. One of the two said it, but you're absolutely right. And it, it has to be the best game of the season. Uh, my my buddy John was making a comparison. It was like the it was like the ridiculous Oklahoma City Thunder and I think Warriors game last year where like mm-hmm. it just went like back and forth and like right. Russ was taking these insane shots and th- it was probably the best regular season game we've seen in since then. And I mean, not Did, even
1: trying to be biased, like this was insane. Do you think the Wizards get more TV games after that? No, No? Nah. no, because while as good as he is,
0: and he is the best point guard in the East, pure point guard in the East, mm-hmm. he's not going to. They they still don't draw the marquee. Like right, we're still right. a you know, we're still a Cleveland Browns level team. Maybe not Cleveland Browns, but we're still somewhere like a San Diego Chargers level team in the NBA. Right. Like we just we don't Market draw wise, it. Right. right? market wise. Like we that we, we just don't draw. We're the fucking Knicks the Knicks are the only reason we appear on TNT because oh. we're playing the Knicks. Not because it's weird playing the Knicks because we're playing the Knicks. You're right. Like, it's, it, that's that's just how it works and then for Then we us. have a
1: game against Oklahoma City next week on TNT or... Is, did
0: it make it to national? Because yeah. I, I knew the Knicks game and I knew this game did. I think that's like, on
1: national too, so...
0: It should. By the way, the Wizards gave up... So let's get to that. The Wizards gave up the two single highest point performances in overtime to a single player this year. Second was LeBron and one was Russell Westbrook, I think, when it went to the... I think it was the you December Tyree, game. No. bro uh, yeah, maybe it was Kyrie, right? right. It was Kyrie, right? Because LeBron fouled out in the first forty seconds to Kyrie and to Russell Westbrook. And getting back to the point, like this Wizards team proved that they can score in buckets, right? No pun intended. They can score in droves. They they've got balance again. F- six players in double figures that day. I mean, uh, in that game, Jason Smith does things. He'll get you the dirty hustle points. But they can't give up this many points. Like No, that,
1: but that's what I'm saying. Yamahimi is supposed to play tonight, hopefully, against Brooklyn. I, I think he makes a huge impact. I, I think people are sleeping on how like decent of a shot blocker he is, how good of a defender he is. He he can rebound. We have nobody on the bench who can rebound.
0: Can, we don't have anybody on the team that can rebound.
1: John Wall and Gortat are best rebounders, and Gortat's not even a good rebounder. I was going to say, Gortat's a career 8-9 to
0: nine rebounds a yeah. game guy. Like He's really not a great rebounder. Like,
1: if Miami had played on Monday, I think that changes the game a little bit because... You can put him on the inside, and Tristan Thompson doesn't get offensive rebound after offensive God, rebound. Tristan Thompson. Yeah, he's pulling... Though th- That was really frustrating. So, and going forward, do you think the Wizards make a trade? The deadline's coming up. This is Ernie's time to shine. Oh, God.
0: So, I was playing around with the trade machine today, because you know, uh, I think um, Kevin Pelton on ESPN did, like, five trades I want to see, and, like, he was talking about a bunch of guys. Like, he was hypothetically moving, like, Jimmy Butler and, and random, like, Big name players I think like Jimmy that. Butler
1: should go to Denver or Philly. He
0: had Jimmy Butler going to Boston with for some package of Jalen Brown and, and some things and right. whatever it was. Um, and I'm trying to figure out. I think the Wizards' biggest need is they need a point guard on the second unit. Either it's 1-1A it's one one to me. It's either a point guard on the second unit because I'm sorry, but Trey Burke doesn't do anything for me. Or it's microwave offense.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's more of the second one. I think you can get away with Sadransky and Burke running the point if you have a legitimate scorer next to him. Because if you look at the bench, like you have Wall, Beal, Porter
0: as your main scoring guys, so to speak. Morris has been playing really well. You hope he can sustain that level, but let's just say he's you know on a little bit of a hot streak and he might cool down a little bit. Kelly Oubre is a great player, but he's a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master of right. none quite yet. His main forte is his defense. And then every, what else do you have from a scoring perspective? Sadoransky finished the game with zero points. Burke finished the game with zero points. Neither of them can score. Neither of them are clutch, reliable scorers. Forget clutch. Neither of them are reliable the scorers. The only
1: scoring you have on your bench is Jason Smith. Which is sad because Jason Smith is not a scorer. Before,
0: exactly. He's just a hustle, does-a-little-bit-of-everything guy.
1: You do have Andrew Nicholson, but he's never going to see the light of day. And he shouldn't. He, he's awful. He's god-awful. I mean, Jason Smith is what he's a career.
0: I think six point three points a game guy. Yeah, right? and he's over, he's exceeding expectations. Right. Well, he also has four, he only averages four point seven a game this year. But whatever. Like he that's that's not where your offense is going right, to come exactly. from. Right. Exactly. I would love so. Like I'm trying to figure out because I think in one of the trades he had he was he was he was moving something like Lou Williams from Ramon Sessions between the Lakers and Cavaliers uh, Lakers and, and Charlotte. And I'm like, how can we get Lou Williams?
1: Ramon, Ramon Sessions broke his leg or foot. Or right, right. That's what right,
0: he was right. saying. They were like, now Charlotte doesn't need because Sessions. Uh, tore a thing it's a meniscus in his knee and now they have a need for a, a second off yeah you know, a guard on the uh on
1: Yeah the bench. no I I would see what the Lakers want for Lou Williams but they're gonna ask for a lot. They're gonna ask for first at least I think
0: because the Wizards don't have anything else to offer. We have nothing to offer. That's my biggest thing so when I was playing with the trade machine, like what do you offer? What is Daniel Ocefu and Andrew Nicholson gonna get you? Nothing. Right you couldn't get back an old sandwich for them, right? Exactly, right? So, like, what, what else do you have to trade? No one wants Sataransky. Satoransky is a guy that we value more than everybody else does. Trey Burke, we overpaid for whatever. We, there's a Pay second. Paid him a dollar.
1: That's overpaid, and,
0: exactly. And you can't trade anybody else in the top seven. Like, I would, unless the deal is extremely right, and I don't think they will anyway. You can't trade Jason Smith, and then everybody else in the top six. Forget it.
1: Well, meanwhile, Marky Morris is not playing tonight. Keith is not playing tonight. Yeah, Uber
0: is starting. By the way, this game is being recorded on... This pod is being recorded on Wednesday evening in the middle of the Wizards-Nets game.
1: But it's the Nets, so it hopefully should not matter. My
0: big thought is that I'm actually kind of glad that it's the Nets as the emotional... So, like, I'm a big believer in the emotional hangover game. Like, you right. have the... You expended all your emotion in, on Monday night's game. Like, I didn't want to play, like, Oklahoma City tonight. Oh, because that would have we, <laughs> we would have we laid a big old egg. Right. Like, I'm fine with this game being in Brooklyn against Brooklyn.
1: Right, yeah. No, it's Brooklyn. They start... Guys, I've never even heard of. I literally have never even heard of.
0: But finishing off the point about the Wizards' defense, I, I wonder a lot of, did the Cavaliers really, really play that well, or is this kind of symptomatic of just the Wizards' defense? Because when you watch the games, yeah, they they tend to win a lot of these games because they're just scoring more than their opponent, And I know that's the fundamental essence of sports, is to score more points than your opponent. But it's more like they're just outscoring them as opposed to stopping them from scoring.
1: Right. No, I think Cleveland played as well as they've played all year, like you said earlier. I think that was Cleveland's best game or second best game of the year. And I I think that was Washington's best game of the year. But then again, this is LeBron James we're talking about Right.
0: I, I get it. I mean, it's LeBron. He's the best player in the world and blah, 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 and stuff like that. But... The Wizards are a middle-of-the-road team. They allow 105 points per game to opponents. It's not great. It's not terrible. But how... So we all assume now, given the way they play and given what they've been doing for the last two months, they're going to be a playoff team. Right. Is the defense a liability?
1: I don't think it's a liability against... Definitely not in the first round, especially if they get like a 2-3-4 seed. I don't think it would be a problem against Atlanta, Charlotte, Milwaukee, etc. I think... It may be an issue in the second round against you know, Toronto or something. So Toronto let, scores, man.
0: So let's say if everything holds true, and I, I think it's a reasonable assumption to make that the Wizards finish fourth. I think it's reasonable to say that Cleveland, Boston, and Toronto will finish with the top three seeds. I, I can see the Wizards. Well, in the no, because then the Wizards will grab the three seed by virtue of winning the Southeast, right? Right. So then you're probably looking at either Boston or Toronto
1: as the teams that you're going to play. Yeah, one of those teams you will play. And I, I don't think they have that big of a problem against Boston. I don't think.
0: I agree with you. Yeah, I actually do agree with you. That if it's played against Boston, I'm a little more comfortable. Right. But if it's... If it's yeah. Toronto,
1: I think it's a bigger issue. Because Cleveland will
0: take the Central, Central. so then it's between Boston and Toronto for the Atlantic, which means that would be one of the two teams we'd play. Toronto, I, I, have, I would have issues with, because they are kind of like us that... They're they're actually second in the league in point differential on four point six,
1: and they um, do a lot of things better than us. They actually do play defense right, like uh, at a more like respectable rate. But like I, at this point, man, like with the way this team is playing, I don't know if they're going to sustain it. But I've seen what this team does in the playoffs. So I and I mean this is not taking away from Toronto, considering they were in the conference finals last year, and Atlanta, considering they were in the conference finals two years ago. I I, mean, I would take this team. I would give them a fair shot against anyone.
0: I'd take plenty away from Atlanta. I think Atlanta's, I've said it a hundred times, I think Atlanta's one bad streak away from blowing it all up. I will trust nothing with Dwight Howard. I know you're a Dwight Howard apologist. I'm the opposite of Dwight Howard apologist. Right. Um, no, I, mean,
1: I, like, I, I agree with you. I don't think Atlanta's, I think Atlanta's going to sell soon, very soon. I, I think, But I heard the problem is in Atlanta is that the Budenholzer being the coach and the de facto president, that he really loves coaching Paul Millsap. Right, and I think that's stopping not gonna, him from trading. Him. Right, and I like I I heard this trade like you know talked about many times. I think it's like Millsap to Toronto for right. Terrence Ross and a first, which makes sense for both teams. But I don't think he's going to move him. I don't think he's going to move him either. And if they have Millsap, that's fine with me because we can beat Atlanta without with Millsap without Millsap. It doesn't matter. I, I
0: feel bad for for Bud over there because. They've just given him – when you get Dwight Howard, it's just – it's the antithesis of what he wants to do over there.
1: Yeah, that's true. But see, the thing is, Dwight isn't the reason they're losing. It's not the reason they're doing any better either. That's yeah, true. That team hey, – man, Horford left, man. That team took a big hit because he fit that system to a T. And then you trade Kyle Korver for what Mike Dunleavy, the corpse that is Mike Dunleavy. Right. Man? That no one wants now. Yeah, and that – I mean, I, I think Atlanta's done. I, you're right. I, I, I agree with you. I think one trade, one bad streak and they probably get rid of, you know, Millsap.
0: Or they just start blowing it all up and they're figuring out, right, what's our next move after that.
1: Right. And the only way, like, Atlanta even comes back to being respectable in the next three years is, like, you know, rookies or, like, past first-round picks like, you know, Torian Prince or, like, DeAndre Bembry, you know, actually produce. Which we have seen nothing from both those guys. But uh, it's Atlanta. Their their problems are their problem. I, I think I would take Washington over almost any other team in the East. Maybe it's just the hype from Monday night that I'm saying this, but
0: there's still a little bit of fumes that we're smoking on from Monday night, which we should because that was a fantastic game. I mean, they're still eight and two over their last ten games. There's only two teams besides us who can say that. There's Golden State and Miami, who's randomly won 10 in a row. In a row. Yeah,
1: 11 in a row, right? That shows now. you how good of a coach Spolster is, by the way. That guy is a phenomenal I've coach. I've always said
0: Spoulster's one of yeah. the most underrated coaches in the NBA. He's I think awesome. Spo
1: doesn't get the love. Even with an eleven game winning streak,
0: Miami is still eight games under 500. Yeah,
1: Good lord. Because that Miami.
0: roster is trash. Yeah.
1: Dion Waiters is their best player in. Dion Waiters. And he's playing he's playing for his contract this year, so. Yeah, he's playing out of his mind in a contract year. So going forward, do you make a trade?
0: But with what? I love when everyone says, like, a present coming Let's say your
1: 2017 first-round pick is on the table. What am I getting? Let's say you get a Will Barton or a Wilson Chandler. I would go for one of those bigs from Denver. I mean, they're not trading Jokic. That guy is God's gift to white centers, but... Euro centers. Yes, he's fantastic. But a big is not the problem.
0: Like I said, I, I'm not harping on the same guy and over again. But if you got like a like the the a Lou Williams type, I, I, I was thinking about this the other a Nick day. Nick Young type. No, <laughs> keep 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 Bricky Brick Young away from here. No, thank you. Swaggy Peak and stay in Los Angeles and celebrate the threes that he's missing. I have no problems with that. Like, Jamal Crawford would be the perfect
1: addition to this team. Absolutely. Right? Like,
0: that's that's the guy you want to add. That's just too big of a contract. I'm not Jamal Crawford in in this current permutation, but that type of player player, with that type of playoff experience, like, that would be the perfect guy to bring in. Like, I'm trying to figure out who is on a contender that you could, or who is on a team that, like, stinks, stinks that you could really try to bring in. I don't know, some remnant... I think Dallas actually legitimately thinks they're in it. But like I was even thinking of like an a like an Omri Caspi type of wing from yeah. Sacramento, right? A guy like, who can
1: score. Right, like, like,
0: like exactly. I don't need you to do anything else. We've got give you lo-
1: like seven eight points a game? Give me something. Yeah, that's better than what we're getting right now. So
0: maybe somebody from the poo poo platter that is the the trailblazers, like they they are bottoming out, like something along those lines. Like a I'm not giving Alan Crabb the money because he's making $45 million a year now or whatever it is, but like something, a I'll, I'll player along those lines. I do you
1: make a trade for Tim Hardaway Jr. from Atlanta? He is really good at scoring the ball. Yeah. I think I, I, I would seriously consider it. Would you do, I'm just throwing this out here first round pick and let's say Andrew Nicholson. For Tim Hardaway Jr. and Mike Muscala,
0: I'd do it. Say it again. So Hardaway and Nicholson. I mean Hardaway and Muscala for Nicholson in the first round pick. Yeah,
1: I'd do it. I, I think that's. I mean, that's a great trade for the Wizards, in my opinion. i yeah, think I'm trying to, I'm
0: pretty good. I'm trying to think of reasons not to, and I can't come up with anything. It's, you're pushing your chips into the middle of the table when there's the, when the pot is not that big. Yeah, because... here,
1: here's my here's my issue with making the trade at the deadline. We've seen Ernie do this before, where he thinks he's one move away, trading the fifth pick for Mike Miller, Randy Foy, oh and stuff like that. And you know, you know, he's dangling that first round pick because he can't draft. And this is the best draft in a very long time. that that, that draft is deep. That draft is good. It's very good. All the way through. And, and
0: ironically, this is the year where we're going to have like the 23rd pick or like, you know, something like that. Right. Really high up there. This is a
1: really good draft and it's, it's as you said, it's guard heavy. It's really guard heavy. So, I mean, you may be able to get into the second round and pick a guy like, you know, for local sake, like Mellow Trimble in the second round or something. But the top, what is it, six, seven players in this draft out of the top ten are point guards. You know who I would chase for the right price? Who? Seth Curry.
0: You would, right? Nope. I, I like him. I would trade Seth I would I'd chase Seth Curry. I I just don't know what you can give up. Right. That's the problem. You it's it, it takes 2 to tango finishing Would you trade Markeith point. Morris? No. You can't. You can't. You just Messes can't. Messes up the chemistry. Messes up the chemistry. You can't break up the core. Can't break up the starting until line. there's a reason to yeah, break up right. the core.
1: You can't break up the starting lineup and he's he's done a good job here. He hasn't been an asshole or anything, so No,
0: it, and we we had this conversation previously, but it's like he's they he is happy here. They are happy with him. Right. He has relished his role as being an enforcer on this and team. He's on a hell
1: of a contract.
0: He's on a great contract. If you look in relativity, it's what eight million dollars a year. Yeah. That's a goddamn song. So, and he's more importantly, he is not being. I mean, he's a malcontent in general. He's like a very watered down version of Boogie Cousins that he's right. always just wakes up with a stink face. But outside of that, that he's doing everything you want. He's not causing problems in the locker room. He's yeah. not doing. He's not
1: ruining the team, right? No, he, he's a good player. Right? I truly know. Like, I would not try to. I I would seriously try to dump Nicholson on somebody for with our first round pick, because that contract is like what four or five million for the next three years, and whatever. That's it's a lot just, of money coming off the books because you have auto to pay next year. Yeah, but you have to. At this point, I'm sorry, you have to. You're you're not. He's not going to go. I say you let him explore the market, but I'm sure like Philly or Brooklyn. Will offer the max, and you have to match it.
0: Somebody's going to offer a poison pill type of contract, and it's going to put the Wizards in a very, very funny situation. Yeah,
1: you have to match it then.
0: Uh, you can't not.
1: Yeah. I, or do you I, let him go? You give Oubre the starting spot? No, you can't. The way Porter's played this year, yeah, even he's, he's,
0: he's incredible. Even he's, though we know he's contract year
1: Porter. Is it, see, he doesn't seem like the guy. He doesn't seem like the type of guy who would do that. Like, maybe I'm just. Two he, words Alan Crabb. Alan
0: Crabb. It's true. Right Yeah, that's true. Andrew Nicholson's making between six point one and six point nine million over the next four years. Oh, that's, that's so that, much money. That is ridiculous. That's point that's six point eight nine million more than he deserves to make. <laughs> it's no, like they get rid of that
1: contract fast. I would I would try to see if I could get rid of Nicholson first.
0: And the funny thing is that, like there's so much money tied into random players. Like I mean, your boy Jan Mahind is still making fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year. a year. Yeah, but see, you don't know what he can do yet. We don't know. I mean, he's an he's a completely unknown. I like what he's going to bring to the bench, or I. And that was another thing I was thinking. Like, if he comes back, is he a bench guy, or is he a sixteen million dollar bench guy, or is he? Yeah, he's a bench guy. You can't bench Cortot. You can't bench Cortot. That's right. the problem. Like, you can't ruin the chemistry. That's the number one thing. If you start messing with the chemistry right now, that's going to be your biggest problem. No, but I,
1: I do think that Mahimi will be playing at the end of games if he's healthy. Because he offers a defensive presence yeah. on the floor. And they really need that, and they need rebounding. So I, I think, I actually think he'll be a really big addition to this team because it, it helps define roles a little bit more clearly. As long as, because
0: Gortot can get crabby every now and then, no pun intended again. Like he's he can get a little whiny or, you know, right. he can get his feelings hurt. And if they start messing with his minutes when Mahimi's back,
1: that's one of my problems moving forward. But I'd like to see Mahimi and uh, Jason Smith play together. I think that may work.
0: Right, as long as they don't start having Mahendri cutting into Porter's minutes as the st- um, Cortada's minutes as
1: the starter. Yeah, no, I I see what you're coming from. No, that makes sense.
0: It's I I want to I want to upgrade this team. I want to do something. I want to fix the fact that no one can score on the second unit. But the problem is you have to give up something. Yeah, and right? I don't know what
1: you're ready to give up at this point.
0: Or I don't know if we have anything to give right, up. That's true. All right, guys, before we wrap up our discussion on the Wizards, I wanted to make sure you guys kept your proverbial basketball hats on and visited our friends at InTheGymRange.com. InTheGymRange provides in-depth information from high school, college, and NBA basketball landscapes. They're a great resource and a great website to check out. You can find a link to them on our website, so make sure you go and give them a visit. Okay, you want to transition over to the Super Bowl? NFL, talk a little football? (laughs) So we are, what, four, three, four days, three, three days? got that's so a long ass three days. We are three days away from Super Bowl 51. Um, we were talking about this a little earlier. Is it the greatest comeback in NFL history or one of the biggest choke jobs in NFL history?
1: A little bit of both. I, I think it's more of a choke than a comeback. Uh, you had a team that was up 28-3. to 3. With six and a half minutes left in the third quarter, and even when Tev- and Tevin Coleman got hurt, they forgot. Kyle Shanahan forgot he had Devonte Freeman. Yep, who was ripping off chunks of yards. And all game. he also forgot that when you're up twenty eight to three, you're pretty much supposed to kill the clock. And they were running off plays with 10-15 seconds left on the play clock.
0: That is my biggest problem right there. It was the clock management more than anything else. I don't fault Kyle Shanahan for going for the jugular. Because every single time when a team runs on third and three, we, they get two yards because everyone knows a run's coming. We all yell at them, oh, they're going conservative. Oh, they're going predictable yeah, stuff but you like know that. What?
1: You know what? You're up 28-3, to 3, right? But no, I actually If think, you have the Patriots on the ropes, you fucking put them on the map.
0: I, actually Matt, think, I, I, I have no problem with the play calling, but the clock management is the biggest thing. If you're snapping the ball with 15 seconds left, knowing you, no matter what, no matter how much you battered him, shockingly, all game long, there's Tom Brady on the other side. You no, can't give that man I, the I ball. I think
1: the drive... Maybe this is Belichick's genius. Maybe this is McDaniel's play calling. I think the drive that really did Atlanta in was the drive at the end of the third quarter when New England... Scored to make it twenty-eight to nine. Yes, and that drive took six minutes. Right, they were just pounding the shit out of it. Was a very
0: they went vintage New England that they dunk and dunk the ball six yards, six yards every play, and it was just death by it's like death by paper cut, right? Like just every single play. That's how they that's what they did,
1: and they put the pressure on Atlanta to stay on the field, and Atlanta couldn't stay on the field. And every
0: time Atlanta got there was a couple of drives. So one of the—there's a couple of drives that ended instantaneously for Atlanta, but one of the things that people don't realize enough— do you know for the first half, even though Atlanta was up, what, 21-3 at halftime, they held the ball for less than 11 minutes? Yes,
1: yeah, they had no time of possession the whole game. That New England—I'm telling you, that one drive made Atlanta's defense— just, It gassed in, It gassed, it gassed the entire defense, and you could see because—what is it? Even like the last—I uh, think it was really evident on the overtime drive by the Patriots— Oh, yeah. Atlanta was... That was a hot knife through butter. Yeah. Atlanta was nowhere. Right. It's like they weren't even on the field. If, if you saw the first half of the
0: game and then you saw the second half of the game, it was two different games. Or right. the first half of the game and then midway from the third quarter onwards. It was two different two different games because in the first half, the thing which everyone says was never going to happen, Atlanta mounted a pass rush on them. Atlanta actually got to Brady. Brady was harassed. Brady was flustered. Yeah. Brady yeah. made mistakes. Brady Jarrett. Right, Grady Jarrett three sacks. How many people realize that Grady Jarrett had three, three, maybe three and a half, three sacks in that game? Most people don't know who Grady Jarrett is, but let alone the fact that he had three sacks. Everyone knows Vic Beasley and so forth. But yeah, they got to Brady. They. I was listening to Mike Lombardi on some of the Ringer podcasts, and he made a, he was making a bunch of points. He's like, "Atlanta's, I mean, uh, New England's, OL well, played like shit, right? Right?" And Brady got pounded. That the interception by Alford... Brady made a bad throw. Like I know Edelman, Edelman and Alford arrived kind of at the same point, but it was a bad no, throw. No bad throw. I agree like, with like, that. Like it was a bad decision. They made mistakes, and Atlanta to the best of their ability capitalized. If you saw some of the plays in the first quarter, Atlanta actually had a great game plan.
1: Like they pantsed New England in a lot
0: of different ways. It was yeah, actually but see, impressive. That's, that's the
1: genius of Belichick. Because I'm sure at halftime, he, he just dissected Oh, they made sh- their – of course. Of course. Because uh, in the made first made time, Matt Patricia looked like a dumbass. I think Matt Patricia is a dumbass. I don't think, I think he's that good. I don't think he's that good at all. But he, I mean he's smart because what is he, like an aeronautical engineer or whatever or some nonsense? There's but, a lot of Indian people who work for NASA. I don't want them coaching yeah, my football team. Yeah, I don't think he's that good of a coordinator, but he looked like a – but like as we say, like you could have – you could have me on that side sideline calling the defensive plays. That defense is Belichick's. That offense is Belichick's. That special team is Belichick's. Right. He runs everything. Right.
0: And they were, again, Lombardi was making the point. He's like, he doesn't necessarily micromanage the process, but he's managing the flow of everything that's right. going on. And just saying, he's like, this is the time we should pull this, uh, this club out of the bag. This is the time we should pull this club out of the bag. The guy is so acutely aware of everything that's going on and the ebb and the flow of the game, which goes back to his quote-unquote genius, which is...
1: No, he is... I don't think it's any debate right now. He's the best coach of all time. I, I don't think anybody comes close. I love—who uh, was it? Was it Ross Tucker? Tucker? Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker right? saying that Gibbs is still
0: the best. I, I think like, what
1: Gibbs did was a little bit more difficult. It is a lot more difficult. Because I mean, you didn't have a Tom Brady?
0: No. In fact, I had to write this stupid article, and somebody made me write it. The, the 10 worst quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl, and ironically, the three Redskins quarterbacks were among the 10 worst. Because, I mean, really, was Theismann really that good? No. Theisman was an NFL MVP one year, man. I don't think Theisman won. He he, Theisman won the Heisman. No, he didn't win the Heisman. Theisman won the Heisman, but that's about it. Oh, I thought. I, Mose won the MVP.
1: No, Theisman wasn't a bad quarterback. No, but I could see, the, good for like I two could years. see the case. For like was one year, or like one year. Doug Williams.
0: Williams was not even a full year one right. right? So the fact that Gibbs did it with those, but Gibbs just did it the old fashioned way with right. the Hogs and the running game and, and, right. and good underrated defenses. But back to Belichick, seven rings. Seven rings. Five with the Patriots,
1: two with the Giants. Giants. Yeah. Best coach of all time. I don't think there's any comparison. I think he's... I would take him to run... Anything. I would take him to run anything. Anything. I absolutely would. He he is... I I would trust him as president. Yes. I completely agree. And so there's a... I I, mean, despite his fondness for current leader, but...
0: (laughs) So there's a... Michael Holly used to be on... um, Around the horn, I think. He's, the, he's an ex beat writer for the Boston Globe, and he wrote this book following Bill Belichick's first few years in New England. It's called Inside the War Room or something. I'll pull it up. And I actually keep a copy of it on my desk. Hold on. Michael Holly, War Room. I'm looking it up right now. War Room, The Legacy of Bill Belichick by Michael Holly. He used to work for the Boston Globe. I always say if you really want the blueprint of what a CEO should – how he should build an organization, read that book. And it's a football book through and through. If you want the story of how the the Patriots were created. Good book? Fantastic book. I should should read it. Absolutely. I I killed it in two, three days maybe. It's a short book, easy read, but it's how he has the innate ability – and it's such a cliche, but it's so true – of understanding how to put – People in the best position to succeed, not jamming a square peg in round right. hole, which everyone does. He has the best ability to figure out. You have this raw ball of clay. How can I make that He's into... just like Popovich in that regard, I think. right? And I, exactly, it's and it, it's it's going to the point where the very similar to Pop, where the system and
1: the culture transcends the players, right? And
0: like, yeah, of course, you have Duncan and you have Brady. No, who but here's the thing, but like, it.
1: even with Popovich, when we're talking about a system, I think it's more of the culture
0: because right. Pop's
1: actual basketball system has changed tremendously, absolutely. Because remember in the early two thousands, mid two thousands, they were what, they were like the best defensive team, them in Detroit. The yep. games would be like eighty to seventy two. Yeah, the two thousand five finals, which is the worst finals ever. It was awful. But now look at them, they're playing the they right. they are what the Warriors or his, wanted to be. His ability
0: to stay one step ahead of the curve even then. And yes, absolutely to your point of morphing the way you play. How many people realize Bill Belichick they like Garrett Blunt ran the ball for 18 touchdowns this year.
1: Yeah, 17 touchdowns until yeah. This uh, he's a no. I'm telling you, man, that guy can run anything. He really can. If you ask me, like you know,
0: the CEO of your organization is going to step down tomorrow and Bill Belichick is going to come in, like he may not know what the hell he's doing. Like he can't sell widgets and sprockets, but that he will put people in the right position to succeed and know exactly what you're doing. He's not going to put in Betty Devos and and fucking Manukin and. Dukin and all these guys and like expect for shit to go down sorry if a republican and heaven help us all but like yeah he's fantastic and i think for people who don't like to hear it you have to say it brady goes brady finishes as the greatest of all time all time like there's just just no comparison anymore that comeback sealed it what was the stat that i just read or i just heard somewhere in his last three years when brady was 37 38 39 years old He's thrown 90-plus touchdown passes and less than 20 interceptions.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. I wish I'm that good at 38, 39 years old. I
0: don't think we're going to be that good at anything when we're 37, 38, true. 39 years old. The only question is, is when does he fall off? Because when they fall off, they fall off hard.
1: Do they? I'm sure Belichick has a plan ready. Yeah, which is This why- isn't Popovich and, I don't know, when, like, I think when, like, Parker and Ginobili retires, Pop may retire. I, I'm sure Belichick has something in the wings. I don't, I don't, I know Jimmy Garoppolo's apparently available this offseason I don't know if he trades him I don't know if he trades him either I, I really don't because they can still
0: wait another year because Garoppolo is a free agent after next year right. they still have the ability to tag him if they want to to do anything with him or re-sign him And right. if they determine it's you know, not Brady's time I know Brady keeps saying he wants to play three four more years but father time is undefeated as the saying goes father time comes for everybody Belichick is a co- remember how many people Belichick has ruthlessly cut Right? Could he do it to Brady? Is it unforeseeable that he would do it to Brady?
1: I think it is. I, I, I don't think, I don't think Robert Kraft will have let that happen to Brady. Do, do you, you,
0: think you think Robert one, Kraft It's is...
1: one thing to do to like lawyer Malloy,
0: yeah, or Ty Larr guys, Ty like that.
1: or whatever, but I don't think you can do it to Brady.
0: Cut Randy Moss's ass after he scored twenty five touchdowns. one, one Yeah, season. because they have
1: to pay him. Yeah, cut Rebus.
0: Revis, Revis need to get cut. Yeah. yeah,
1: no, I, I think. I think Brady finishes out with two, I think he probably has like two three years left, but if he takes hits like he did, I don't know if he makes it through all the whole season
0: if you saw somebody was making a great point if you saw him chasing after Alford, you saw a forty year old man running
1: yeah
0: like, he, it, it looked like a guy who was like slowly unfolding out of a out of a recliner you was sitting in all day like Brady looks 39 or 40 his he he is starting to lose a little bit of heat on the fastball like the deep ball is not there he's not 2007 throwing it to Randy Moss 40 yards down the field like it's not he's very dink and dunk the problem is he's just a goddamn surgeon doing it
1: no it's I I think I I don't think he cuts Brady ever I think that's blasphemous actually like I can't believe you brought that up. I I don't think Brady ever gets cut.
0: I'm not saying he's going to, but yeah, yes. I mean, I taken. understand
1: where you're coming from because Belichick will cut his own mom if he needs to. Yes, but, he will. So, um, no, I, sorry, I get Mrs. That. Belichick. So, like, I mean, moving on from the Super Bowl, like, like, we just saw this Super Bowl. So, what do you think the Redskins need to do to get back to next year's Super Bowl? New head coach? Sorry, I, was that oh. allowed? <laughs> oh. I, you sorry. and I disagree there. I'm. I, I like G- Gruden. I'm a, I'm a Gruden
0: guy. I don't love him. I like Gruden. Uh, he, Gruden is fine. I don't they know. play for him. They play for him. That's the thing. They, they, he, they, they play for him. I think it's a little bit of a the, the locker room polices itself, and Gruden kind of makes sure that the ship isn't going to go off the side right. of the off the side of the. But
1: game. I I do agree with you. If, if let's say Gruden gets six seven wins this year with or without Kirk, I was thinking about it the other day. I think he's gone. Oh yeah, I, I think less than seven wins and Gruden is fired. I don't think, I think if they don't make the playoffs, I think he's gone.
0: Because this is year four. And yeah. And uh, he's if, a lame duck. If, next if, year. if Kirk Cousins comes back, yes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And then where do you, okay, well, I mean, that's just too far
0: out. No, there. We're, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to talk. We're, about we're not going to go that far ahead, even though it would be fun. Um, we're both in agreement. You have to bring back Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Everyone everyone keeps saying it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. Really, the mechanics of it now comes back to, is it going to be a franchise and sign a long-term deal, or is it going to be a sign, sign a long-term deal to start off with, or is it going to be franchise and let it play out for the rest of the year? I don't think
1: you can do that. I, I, I'm Because I, I think fan base-wise, people get pissed around here. And I know Scott McLuhan or whatever is still running things. A, first of all, that makes no football sense. And, you know, Scott McLuhan like football Four business players. sense, yeah. And that makes no sense at all. And you have to sign him to a long-term contract if you're bringing him back. If not, you sign, you franchise him and you try to trade him. If we trust,
0: and I do, I'll be completely honest, I do trust him McLuhan that much. My thing I keep going back to is, let's say Kirk Cousins is 10% better than Andy Dalton. That's the thing that I keep going back to. right? Let's say he's 10 to 20% better than Andy Dalton. Then if you believe McLuhan that much, surround him with better football players. We believe in... Like I said, I believe in Kirk and McLuhan that much that... In Scott McLuhan that much. You can put... great. He can find great football players in different levels of the draft. Yeah, build a the team one position erratic.
1: he's had problems finding football players is quarterback.
0: Right. So we have one. So let him fix everything else. If you have Kirk put in place and you can rebuild the rest of the no, team... No, I
1: believe in McLuhan. Too. I, I think he can build this roster. That's why... I'm not really fretting about coming up next year because you have $60 million in cap room, and you actually have a full draft, and you know Nori McLuhan. He's going to trade back. He's going to trade back. In fact, he should trade back. He should trade back. of the first round. This roster needs an infusion of youth. I've been saying this for five years, and they're finally doing it. I think – like I really like – I know this sounds ridiculous, but I really like what Cleveland did last year. Cleveland had fourteen draft. picks. Cleveland
0: did do it smart last year. I don't agree picks. with some of their draft picks, but I agree with the the, the, the philosophy. process.
1: Yeah,
0: trust the process. Poor one out for Sam Hinkie. Yes. Still love Sam Hinkie. Would we'll hire him over Ernie Grunfeld in, in a day. I love me some Sam Hinkie.
1: Anyway, um, speaking of Sam Hinkie, you know he traded Michael Carter Williams for the Lakers pick this year. Sam Hinkie was going to go he down. Traded Nick Stauskas for the if you traded what he took on Nick Stauskas from the Kings for like a top. Their pick.
0: He got Stauskas and a pick. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not like he got, he got Stauskas and had to give up something. He got Stauskas and the pick. I mean, God. You mean the
1: pick and Stauskas. I mean, let's.
0: Right. Except, thank you. Yes. Vivek is ruining it. I've said it a hundred times. Vivek's ruining it for all Indian people in sports. Like, he's really got to stop this.
1: No, back to the Redskins. So, let's say going forward, draft-wise, I know we both think mock drafts are stupid. They're completely stupid. They're really pointless. Make sure you
0: check out my mock draft post two weeks ago. Yeah, and this is
1: why we do them, because they're fun.
0: People love talking about them. I've never seen so much hyped up, over emotional chatter about a mock draft in January. It's insane. It's absolutely. But it's fun. Ludicrous. It's. It's literally like me predicting who the Wizards are going to take in the draft in
1: 2018.
0: It's uh, the I, same.
1: I was actually looking this up today. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, anyway, um, no, I, I, I think they got to go defense. I think they got to go defense heavy because if you're going to give Monusky a shot. Improving this defense, you got to get players because that that defense just has no talent.
0: If I'm looking at it today, which is completely a pointless exercise, but for the sake of the argument, if I'm looking at it today, the first thing I'm doing is I'm trading back from seventeen, and I'm not trading back from seventeen because I want more picks. I do want more picks. I'm trading back from seventeen because I don't love anyone at seventeen. The guys from 11, 10 to eleven to fifty are um, exactly the same. Yeah, they're, they're exactly the same. Maybe ten to forty. You have ten guys who are elite. And then after that, it who do you, drops off.
1: Your, who are your top? Let me pull prospects? it up. I, I can
0: tell you right now. Give me two seconds. I can pull. I it. have
1: like Fournette, Malik Hooker, Mike Williams, Ma- 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 Jamal Ho- Adams. Malik Ma-
0: Ma- Ma- Hooker is my secret dream, which will never Jonathan ever, ever Allen, happen. Jonathan Allen, Miles Garrett. Miles quarterbacks. Miles Garrett's in there. Jonathan Allen are my one and two. Leonard Fournette is three. I like Jamal Adams. I don't necessarily love him. And the reason why is because I've just never been in love with the idea of in-the-box safety. Plus, mm-hmm. we have Sua Craven, so whatever. Don't know enough about Solomon Thomas to really make an assessment. Love Malik Hooker. Love Reuben Foster. Like a lot Mike Williams. I'm not quite as in love as everyone else is about Dalvin Cook. I like him. I don't love him. Um, I'm completely biased. I love Leonard Fournette. Right. I, now he's a hell of
1: a player. I, Leonard him.
0: Fournette is... In the Adrian Peterson category for me, maybe not the same vision
1: and not the same well, you trade up to get him.
0: No. No. There's so many good running backs I, like, in this
1: I, I think we were talking about this a few days ago. I, I think running back's an issue on this team. I don't think Rob Kelly's the answer.
0: I love Fat Rob. I love Fat Rob's heart. Fat Rob's not a franchise running back. No, he's not. And no.
1: I, I think we, I think we, you've seen, if you're a Redskins fan, what a franchise running back does for a team. And look at Dallas. If you can get a guy in the mold of Elliott here or maybe somebody in the second round who you believe... Maybe a Wayne Gallman from Clemson.
0: I think there's a lot of so I'm sitting here looking at the list like I so many personality issues, so many problems. Joe Mixon is
1: so good. No, Joe Mixon is really good. So so but so you, good. Can you justify taking? No,
0: it? you can't. He is a PR nightmare. He's a piece of shit. A, he is a from all
1: accounts not a good human being. Right, but so good. He no, he's fantastic. But you just can't take him. He, but I'm sure, I'm sure some somebody's gonna take burn a fourth him. round pick
0: on him. And if Tyree Hill got a fifth for what punching a pregnant woman or choking a pregnant woman, yeah. somebody's gonna put a burn a fourth on Mixon. And if he plays his cards right, Joe Mixon could be Le'Veon Bell.
1: Yeah, no, he's really good. He's really talented. That, like that's how good
0: Joe Mixon is. And I'm not even saying that of hyper- hyperbole. He's all things being equal, you took away all the character issues. He's he's right there with me and Dal- with Dalvin Cook and I, I could easily make an argument of taking him over Dalvin Cook. Yeah, that for good the character. Concerns. Right. If they, all if you took everything away, right. but um, like, let's see. He's sitting there in the second round. Isn't Dante Foreman not a bad idea for the Redskins? Yeah, not a bad pick. Right. Like you take him and you you pair him with uh, I'd cut Matt Jones in that case as early as that is. Or but try you to put, trade him for something. Or try to get something out of him. But then you've got him, Fat Rob, and Chris Thompson. I think
1: you can roll with that. Yeah. You also—see, the thing is, like, if you believe—look, Kirk Cousins, I don't think anybody has, like, the preconceived notion here that he's Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or anything, but—
0: Although I do love when he was hot last year, some Redskins fans were calling him Joe Montana, which made me laugh, right? Because that's how Redskins fans roll. Yeah, Kirk Montana.
1: No, but he is—he I feel is, like, an elevated version of Andy Dalton. You give him pieces— that guy will perform. Right. And I, I still think running back is one of the biggest holes on this team. I know this offense was really good last year.
0: It is. Yeah. I mean, it, the running back is a big hole. I, I, I'm completely in agreement. I love Fat Rob from the little guy that could standpoint, but he's not a
1: franchise running no, back. No, he's not.
0: Like You can't mention him among the top guys. No, like, he's,
1: not even, he's not even a top 15 running back. No, he's not. Man. He may be top 20 if you're if – you're, and I, even that I doubt. It was just that he's better than Matt Jones. And I don't know, I think Matt Jones is more talented, but he runs like a bitch. Matt Jones runs like such a bitch. He does, he's he really, big, he's strong, he just runs like a bitch.
0: I mean, if you really look at it, like, I hate DeMarco Murray, so we're going to put him out of the conversation. He's a hell of a player. But, but I can't stand him. But like, Zeke Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, David Johnson, Le- Devontae Freeman, I don't put him in the same category as Lamar Miller, I don't put him in the same as as Melvin, uh, Melvin Gordon. Mark Ingram. Leon Bell. I mean, and 10, we're not even kind of like Todd Gurley who had nothing to run behind and stuff like that. I mean no,
1: – No, he's like – he's not – he's a top – like he, he's not even a – he's not a good running back, He's man. not like, Jay
0: Ajayi, He's not Jordan Howard. He's not
1: – He's not Melvin Ingram. No. He's not Latavius Murray. Dude, he's not, he's not a good running back.
0: Yeah, I, I – he's better than Spencer Ware Spencer Spencer Ware is completely overrated I can't stand him
1: he's Um, not as good as C.J. Anderson he's not as C.J.
0: Anderson's a good running back
1: there are a lot of lots of running backs I would take on this team do do you make a move do you try to sign Le'Veon Bell because it would take an ob- 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 yeah sixty million dollars. But capital. you
0: still have to sign Kirk. You still have to figure out which receiver you're bringing back. None. We should talk about that. You- we still have to figure. You got to bring Swaggy Baker back. Why? You've got a couple of extensions
1: coming. Up I don't and- understand why. I look. I know Baker was good for his last year. He's not that good of a player. He's good. He's a
0: piece. I think he's a locker room guy too. I think to yeah. Yeah, that's true. Baker. But so was Terrence Knighton. And look, they cut him. That was ridiculous. I don't get me started. I'm pot roast. They should have brought Potrose. Pot I agree I think with it was that. one of the biggest problems of last year is you didn't have Potros. I'm not saying Pot Rose
1: is, you know, Dontari Poe or something but like he that. It gives you a presence in the, middle of, in the big middle of the line.
0: There were a bunch of people who were like, I don't understand why he's not there. He is the reason why your goal line defense is garbage. And I think they had the worst, one of the three worst goal line defenses no, last year. No, I,
1: like, I would, I know this team is not the same that it was five, six years ago, but McLuhan in charge, they don't really make big moves. I would consider bringing one more playmaker. Like, this is not, we are not New England two thousand circa two thousand eight. We're not manning level Colts or Broncos. This team can still improve on offense.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And especially if all the reports are true and they may not bring back Garcon or Jackson. I think they'll bring back
1: one. They have to. I think they bring back and now that I think about it. I think they're going to bring back Jackson. So there's some people,
0: like the CSN guys, are saying that the reason why they haven't talked to either of them is because they can't figure out which one they want. I think Jackson's gone. I think it's a done deal. I think even if they want to bring back Jackson, Jackson's not
1: going. I think Jackson's going to L.A., my opinion. I think he goes to play for McVeigh. I think he goes back home. I think if the Redskins
0: don't show him enough love, I think Garcon goes to L.A. Yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. I think out
1: He fits that roster. I think he
0: would be. Is it really. How much do you pay? A guy like Pierre Garcon. That's the problem. He's going to ask for ten million a year. And LA had. I think ten million is reasonable. LA has the money. I mean, we have the money too right now. Where I think you know we're one of the leaders in terms of cap space going into next year. Yep, sixty million. But
1: yeah, no, I I think I would pay Garcon ten million. Dude, what the hell? Like, where else are you going to find a receiver that good? Kenny Britt.
0: And that's the other thing. So that's so they're saying if you lose Garcon and you lose Jackson, then you bring in Kenny Britt. Josh Dotson, Kenny Britt, and Jameson, Jameson Crowder Crow- doesn't scare the
1: shit off of defenses like Garcella Because at
0: the answer. end of the day, you really just have Crowder and Britt then, because Josh Dotson is as, as excited as I am about him still. That's completely with rose-colored glasses on. It's we his rookie year. We have no idea what we're I have no get idea what him. he's going to be. I still think he'll be pretty good. And we have no precedent. Can you think of a single precedent of a rookie receiver missing, missing his entire year and then turning out good?
1: No, I can't. A single one. Now, just point to one. I don't know. Not enough. Like, no, I'm sure. I am pretty sure he'll be okay. Like worst case scenario, he's a guy who'll get you like 40 catches, 600 yards, like four touchdowns. But like you need more than that. Redskins have 60.3 million in cap space. That is a lot of goddamn money. The man. top seven. I can't wait for the offseason. It's gonna be so much fun.
0: I'm I'm so happy it's not the days of firing up Redskins one and going shopping, you know, paying Those fi- fun, though. paying fifty seven dollars for the ten dollar hammer. Like I...
1: So you draft defense, right? Who do you take in the first round?
0: Am I staying at seventeen? Let's say you stay at seventeen. I said it before, Taco Charlton's my guy. Michigan dude. I love Taco. Oh, I love Tacos to begin with. That's that's no denying it, but I love Taco Charlton. Um the two guys who I love just because this draft is rich richest. At Edge, I love Taco Charlton and I love Takaris McKinley. Taco Charlton is a good player. Taco Charlton from Michigan, Takaris McKinley from UCLA. Edge rushers, big upside, good frames. Are they're pass rushers first and foremost? I am completely the philosophy. You need as many pass rushers as you can.
1: I I've been saying this for a while. I think you just draft like three or four, and you see which of them pan out. Last year, Demarcus uh, Demarcus. Where oh. Demarcus Ware went down for the
0: Broncos, everyone's like, "Oh, Demarcus Ware went down." Shane Ray, and then the other guy, that Shack Barrett, right? They just stepped up because they had four pass rushers, they had right. four edge guys. This team
1: has Kerrigan. We have
0: Kerrigan, and then Trent Murphy, who played out of his mind last year. That so far is a blip in the matrix. And you don't know how a one far year that's wonder in Preston
1: Smith so far, and maybe, maybe whatever
0: you get out of Junior Gallette. Yeah, maybe right? Yeah, like Gallet's coming back, whatever you get out of him, I think edge rusher is there. I still say, as much as Redskins fans will shit their pants if they do, wide receivers on the table. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like,
0: if Corey Davis is if Corey Davis there Corey Davis Mike Williams falls, I think you got to grab him. Like, you have to sit there. I think the one guy, I think it was Kuyper or McShay, just released a mock a couple of days ago and having Peppers. I think Peppers is not coming in. McShay here.
1: had it today. Yeah. Right.
0: I, I, Peppers is not. It's not happening. I'll just write it down now. Peppers is not happening. So
1: Cravens plays the same position? I think he's a better player. I think So Cravens is a much better player than Joe Just more inst- instincts. You you were saying about Peppers, you know, he just doesn't know how to play a position.
0: Jabril Peppers, and I made this, and I'll go on the record of saying this, Jabril Peppers terrifies me of being Devin Hester. Terrifies me of being Devin Hester, that he is an elite athlete with no position. Right. No, I can see that. He's right. 5'10", 205 pounds, playing what? It's too tight to be a corner, too raw to be a safety, and too small to be a linebacker. What is he? Right. Right. I I mean, I just I have no idea where to put him on, on the field. He's a great kick returner. Am I gonna spend the seventeenth overall pick on a kick returner? Congratulations, you got Devin Hester.
1: Right. No, I agree with that. I just don't think you can yeah, I don't think you can justify that pick. I think
0: cornerback is very much on the table too. Jalen Tabor or Tease or whatever he calls tease, himself these days these days. Tease. Like if he's there, I think it's on the table. Um maybe one of the other cornerbacks like Sidney Jones or Quincy Wilson or guys like that. I, I I think that's a possibility. I think be- I, I do,
1: and you know the Redskins just uh, hired Torian Gray as their DB coach. DB coach. I, I'm sure he's going to have an input on T's uh, table, maybe. Virginia Tech. SB- I do like I- Florida defensive players, though. They're, they're well coached down there.
0: Um,
1: I wouldn't even be a
0: disappointed if they went offensive line in the first round. No problem with that either. Inside guard? Like, you'd swap out Laval? Tell me that if you don't want to have Williams, new left guard, Uh, long at center Sheriff and Moses as your front five that's not rivaling Dallas that's as good as Dallas I think or maybe just a notch below. Just a notch below. You're right. sitting there with us, the Raiders, and the Cowboys See, that's the, the thing. Like, this is,
1: I feel like this is like the Brandon Sheriff draft. I know people were pissed off that we didn't get Leonard Williams, but this team still has holes across the roster. You can pick
0: anyone. You can pick anyone. Anyone. will be fine. Everyone's it's like, oh, you overpaid for Sheriff at the fifth pick. Sheriff's a Pro Bowl player. Whether you believe it or not. Sheriff's is a Hall be, of Famer, man. Sher- Sheriff is a He's going to be a Hall of
1: Famer. He's going to be like a 10-time Pro Bowler Sheriff and guard.
0: In, 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 He's going to get in. And Trent Williams are the two new hogs. Yeah. Like or the you know hogs 3.0 or whatever the hell you want to call them. Like they're they're fantastic. No, Remember
1: I, when it was Dirtbags with the Joe Bugle 2.0? Yeah,
0: that's why I call them the 2.0 <laughs> guys. but
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you got to go defense. I, I really I was like I know people know, I don't know if they know. I'm an Auburn fan. I really like Montrevious Adams you know, or Carl Lawson. Talk about
0: Montrevious Adams. I don't know about enough about Carl Lawson. I'll defer I, Carl to Carl Lawson's you.
1: a hell of a talent.
0: He, are you saying that as an Auburn fan? Or are you saying that no, because he's actually really good? No, he
1: was I think he was like a top Three player coming out of high school, it's a hell of a player. Really can rush the passer. So staying on the field is a major issue for him. Okay, he's been hurt a lot at Auburn, and that scares the shit out of me. But he, when he's on the field, he's really good.
0: You were talking about him before, and I've warmed up to a little bit. I think Caleb Brantley, the defensive tackle from Florida's, Florida. Florida, yep. Yeah. I think he could be on the table. I, uh, I like Derek Barnett from Tennessee. I don't know. Derek Barnett strikes me as a four-three defensive end. That's my problem with See, him. See,
1: but the thing is, here's the thing: if you have a if you have a defensive coordinator worth a damn, and I don't know if Manoski is Exactly, worth a damn, that's a big if. You draft talent, man. You get any pass rusher you can. You make him stand up. You make him sit down. You make him like <laughs> doesn't matter. Hand in the dirt makes two technique three. Te- it doesn't matter. You put him anywhere on the field. That's what this is what I want. I want a team that has just a super athletic dudes. I would prefer that the entire draft comes from the SEC.
0: That is my you can't idea. go wrong. You could if you take like like the the secondary guys. If you take Eddie Jackson and Dalvin Tomlinson from Alabama, you're doing okay. Yeah. You're still doing fine. Like if you if you don't get Marlon Humphrey and Jonathan Allen and those guys and Reuben Foster, you're fine. Just go get the second tier. Go yes, get the second go wave. Get SEC go get Ardarius guys. Stewart and those guys. You, you'll or be an fine. Or a high state kid. Yeah.
1: Who I really like, and Malik Cooker is a fantastic player. <laughs> I, I was just watching might. him play again for the other day and he's
0: Pound funny. for pound, if you ask me who's my favorite prospect in this draft, it might be Malik Hooker. I think it's Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen's... Dad. I watched Alabama as close as anyone this season. I'll even go on the record saying it might be Malik Hooker over oh, Jonathan Allen.
1: No, I, I hate Alabama. That guy, Jonathan Allen... Is, He's a home wrecker. He's a
0: freak. He's a, a bona fide home wrecker. Yeah.
1: yeah, I've never seen quarterbacks that scared. And this is coming off a year of an Alabama who had, what, A'shaun a- Robinson? He lost
0: A'shaun and Jaron Reed, and yeah. you somehow have J- Jonathan Allen going in the top two, top three picks. It, it, it's... Nick Saban doesn't rebuild, he just reloads. They just need a quarterback, and I think I can't stand, what's his name, Jalen Hurts. I really hey, can't stand him. I don't him. think he's that good. I don't think he's good at all. I mean, right. he misses a lot of receivers, but hey, that's neither here nor there, and I'm happy with that, so okay. it's
1: fine. Good job, Clemson.
0: All right, before we digress, Dash, thank you very much. We'll have to do this again. There's a lot more. I still want to talk quarterbacks and all that in the draft. There'll be plenty of more, especially with the Wizards. Mr. Trubisky is going to
1: be the best quarterback in this draft. But they all suck. So they, they all
0: suck. Play. I'm that's just going to put it right there. So. Thank you very much for those of you who have made it through the podcast so far. Really appreciate it. Please leave us some feedback on what you guys thought. If you think our mock, if you love mock drafts, make sure you let us know. Tell us who you think the Redskins are going to take, or they're not going to take. Tell us we're full of crap. I don't care. Just leave us some feedback and some commentary. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us some love on Facebook and Twitter. And until next time, thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail for the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.